0: Well, amen. He is altogether worthy and worthy of our worship. Uh, What a Savior we have in Him. And uh, He is the focus of everything that we do. Everything that we do as a church and everything that we ought to be doing as believers ought to center around Jesus. Just Jesus. Matter of fact, that's the title of uh, today's message uh, is Just Jesus. We're in Mark chapter 2. Uh, you can go ahead and be turning there and we're going to look at this encounter with Jesus as we continue this series through the Gospel of Mark about being impacted by Jesus. Uh, so here is Jesus. he's on his, uh, He's been in Capernaum. Remember that's where he called uh, James and John and Andrew and Peter there and that's where he did some ministry. Then he left there and went out into some of the surrounding villages. Why? Because there were people there that needed to be saved. There were people there that needed to hear the, the message of the gospel. And so he goes out in those villages. And then here in chapter 2, he comes back to Capernaum. Why? Because there's more people in Capernaum that need to hear the message, uh, that need to, to know him, that need help, that need him. And so here comes Jesus in in, in doing that. Uh, I say just Jesus, and that, that kind of reminds me of... Uh, uh, a story in my own life when I was younger it's one of those those memories that goes uh, back to when I was in the the second grade that was just a few years ago that I was in second grade uh, but when I was <laughs> when I was in second grade one of the the memories of that year is that we had this art contest in, in second grade it was tied into the the local hospital and it, so it was a theme uh, around medicine around doctors and and we were supposed to put together uh, some type of poster and they would judge the poster and, and they would win. And I remember mine. I mean, it was a great artistic endeavor uh, that was there. Actually, I'm not the, the best artist in my family. Uh, my grandfather was a great, uh, well known artist. And, and uh, my brother is, is real creative and artistic, you know, and that. My children are. It kind of skipped me a little bit. I can do some things, but I wasn't the greatest artist in the world. But I had this great concept, okay? Uh, and in this concept, uh, what I drew, it was a picture, and it was uh, nighttime, and I drew a picture of a car wreck and the the ambulance there with the lights flashing and the the lights shining out in the dark and then there were these uh, 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 emergency response folks that that had the uh, uh, somebody on a on a uh, on, a, on a gurney there, and they were taking them to the, the ambulance and It was just a great concept that I have and the The ones that were the top three got to uh, all got prizes there and so i didn 't win, but I made the top three and so I got the, and their whole purpose in doing that not everybody didn 't have to enter the contest, but you had a choice of doing it The whole reason I entered that contest get this was that if you entered the contest, and you made top three, you got an autographed picture of Walter Payton. Walter Payton was from Mississippi. Uh, He was a Mississippi boy, and he had hit the NFL. He had played at small little uh, Jackson State uh, University there and, and had hit it big in the NFL, played for the Chicago Bears. And if you don't know Walter Payton, look it up. He was the greatest football player that there ever has been. Sweetness. Uh, but Walter Payton had hit it big and he was real popular in Mississippi. And so that was the whole reason that I entered that contest. I got a t-shirt, had a picture of Walter Payton on it, uh, and, uh, and, and, and got an autographed picture of, of Walter Payton from this. But one of the things I remember is that, that not everybody entered that contest. And there was one girl when they said about entering the contest and you got this picture of, of Walter Payton. Uh, she said said, well, he's just a football player. Walter Payton is not just a football player. Like I said, at that time, he was, still had a lot of his career left. As a matter of fact, I think that was about his second year in the pros, and he was just beginning to hit it big. And he went on, like I said, to be one of the greatest, not only greatest running backs, but in my opinion, one of the greatest football players uh, there ever Just a football player. No, this is, is Walter Payton. You know, sometimes we may have that attitude about Jesus or about Christianity, that it's, it's just another religion or that it's, it's just church or, uh, or, uh, uh, or taking it a step further. I mean, it's, it's, it's just Jesus. And maybe that's what some folks were, were going through here, but, but I want us to look this morning and see what happens when just Jesus shows up. Matter of fact, he's all that we need. We don't need anything added to Jesus. We just need just Jesus. Follow along with me in Mark chapter 2. It says, beginning in verse 1, and again, he, that's just Jesus, all right? He entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in this house. And immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the Word to them. Wouldn't it be great just to hear Jesus preach the Word of God? Well, you know, we celebrated a few weeks ago the resurrection. Jesus is alive. And if you'll meet with Him, He'll preach to you. You can hear Jesus preach the word as you meet him in the word every day. That's not my sermon. Let's move on to the passage here. It says in verse 3, it says, And then they came to him bringing a paralytic. This is a man who couldn't walk, okay? A paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So, when they had broken through, had broken through the roof, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. No greater words could be spoken. Your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there. And reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They were wrong, but they were right. (laughs) They were wrong in criticizing Jesus, but they were right in saying that only God can forgive sins. What they did not realize is that the Son of God, God the Son, was in their midst. Verse 8. But immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk? So we say, you know which is which is easier, which which shows the greatest power. Now, forgiving sins really shows the greatest power, but you can say somebody's sins are forgiven, and nobody can see that, and nobody can know that for sure. But to say get up your uh, get up off your bed and walk, that would be a visible demonstration of power. And so he is saying, you know, it's which is which would be greater for me to do. Uh, they would probably say the get up and walk would be greater than sins forgiven, but we know that sins forgiven is the greatest power. Look what he does in verse 10, he says, but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. Why? Because he is God. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. The audacity of someone to say that. Verse 12, and immediately he arose. He took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed. You think? (laughs) They were amazed, and they glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. May God do a work in our midst, in our church, in our community, where people are saying, We have never seen anything like this. That's what happens when just Jesus shows up. He impacts us. This man needed help. He was he was physically de- disabled, and and by by being disabled means that he's not able. He's he's a he's a paralytic. He could not walk. He could not help himself. But he was not only physically disabled. He was spiritually disabled. And just like he could not help himself physically, he could not help himself spiritually. And that's the condition of us all. We don't realize that that we cannot help ourselves. Matter of fact, the world gives a a contradictory message. that The world says that we can do anything that we want. The world says you just put your mind to it and you can achieve anything. You can do whatever your heart desires. And God says the opposite is true, that we can do nothing without him. We are totally disappointed. That's why we need just Jesus. We need his help. Now let's let's look at the, the situation here. There are different groups Uh, that are here. And and so let's look at this first group that I, I want us to focus in on in this passage of Scripture. First of all, there are the ones who hinder. Who hinder what? Who hinder people from being impacted by Jesus. There's always those that will hinder. There's really two groups here that are are hindering. First of all, there is the curious crowd. Look in, in verse one, it says that he, Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house, and immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. This huge crowd, comes in. And, and a lot of them are coming just out of curiosity. They just wanted to see something. They just wanted to show. Let me ask you at, at home today, Do you are you following Jesus just to see the show? Do you just want to see what he does? Do you just want to maybe get a little of that blessing in, in your life? Do you want the show or do you want Jesus? See, being a Christian is not just following the show. Being a Christian is following Jesus. Jesus said that we must take up our cross daily we need to forsake everything forsake our, ourselves and and take up our cross daily and follow him that 's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ it means that, that we don't just go for the good things we just don't go to get a spill over a blessing, but we follow him through thick and thin through the hard times of life. We need to be more than just a curious curious crowd and by the way, and I hope that that God has been doing a work in your heart in your life concerning your own heart in your own relationship with him, because if your heart is not surrendered to him, then you are hindering others from coming to him. If you've just been an attender that just sits on a pew and and lives your life your own way, I want you to understand that hinders people from coming to Jesus. There are people all around this community, all all around this this county, all around this this nation that are, are choosing not to follow Christ, not because they're rejecting him, but they're rejecting our portrayal of him because our hearts are not where they should be. The curious crowd, if that's as far as our relationship goes with Jesus, can be a hindrance to others coming to Jesus. What am I saying? I'm saying surrender your heart to him and let's get after it and let's live after him. Because if you're a part of the curious crowd, if you don't follow him, then you can move into being a part of the uncaring critics. And now they were a part of this curious crowd. They came out of curiosity But because they would not surrender their lives to Christ, they would not receive the message of Jesus, what he was preaching, what he was teaching, they became uncaring critics. Of course, I'm talking about these scribes and these Pharisees. They're they're mentioned there in in verse 6 where it says, and some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this? See, it's a heart issue, okay? Whenever we have a critical spirit, that reveals a heart issue. They were reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And then notice verse 8 says, but immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, then he challenged them and said, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Really what he's doing, he's giving them an opportunity to, to repent. He's not putting on a show. He cares for them. He's exposing their hearts. He's exposing their sin. And and that that criticism, it's not that God condemns us for our criticism. It's that God calls us to repentance. God, God is exposing the need within our hearts that we can't fix ourselves. We cannot just come with our own form of religion and follow after him. We need him to change our hearts. And if we don't let him change our hearts, then We can become a hindrance to folks coming to him. They needed forgiveness too. They were just blind and bound and didn't even realize it. If you remember back in chapter 1, we talked about the demon-possessed man. And you remember where they found him? They found him in the synagogue with the scribes and Pharisees. And the scribes and Pharisees didn't even know he was demon-possessed until just Jesus showed up. Because they were blind and bound to that. And they may have had their own demons in their lives of criticism and complaint. Criticism is not a spiritual gift. It is a anti-spiritual gift. May God deliver us from critical spirits that hinder his work. They're the ones who hinder. But let's move them out of the way. Let's focus and let's be the ones who help. What a great group of four friends here. These are the faithful friends. Notice in verse 3, it says, Then they came to him. These group of friends, these faithful friends came to him. Who's him? Just Jesus. And bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he Just Jesus was. And so when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Verse five says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Wow, what an encounter, what an impact just Jesus makes through these ones that help. Jesus didn't need them they needed him and their friend needed him. And so they step out in faith. It says that Jesus saw their faith, not the faith of this one, although he had faith and that's, that's the forgiveness that he received. But Jesus also saw their faith in bringing him here, the faith of these faithful friends. What kind of faith do they have? And this is the type of faith we need in times like this and moving forward as we come back together. If we're going to be a mighty church on the move for God, we need, first of all, a creative faith faith not a, a faith that depends upon tradition and the way we've always done it. But we it's not that, that we just look at what others have done. We're led by the Holy Spirit ourselves. And we do what he tells us to do according to the word of God. They were willing to do whatever it took. They did not allow anything to, to stop them. They had to get this man to Jesus. They had to get their friend because they loved him. They had to get him to Jesus. They were willing to put in whatever hard work it took. They were willing to put in whatever time it took, whatever it, it, it meant. They were willing to go about a different approach to bring this man to Jesus. Now, we have the same Jesus, but these these days call for different approaches to bring people to the same Jesus. And we need to be doing that today. I mean, whatever it takes. We need to, to look for opportunities. Mowing somebody's yard, taking somebody some groceries, uh, calling somebody on the phone sending a message to to them doing whatever it takes to to bring somebody to Jesus taking them fishing with us taking a kayaking with us whatever it takes to to minister to someone we need to be willing to do that we need to have a creative faith and say God this is someone that needs to know you this is someone that needs ministering to Lord they're, they're telling us I can't do how can I minister to them and let the Holy Spirit give us some ideas give us some 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 direction and and give us an opportunity to be creative, not to come up with a new faith, but come up to a new way to share the the old faith of of, of believing in Jesus Christ and repenting of our sins. That's what we need, a creative faith. And a creative faith that that doesn't just come up with a good idea and then move on and then forget about it or, or, or the first little bump that you come to stop. We need a persevering faith. I mean, they brought this friend, and they could have said, Well, can't get to Jesus, and turned around and left. No. They 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 were creative and they persevered. They knew that only Jesus, just Jesus, could help this man. Just Jesus could heal this man. Just Jesus could care for this man's sin. I think that as they brought this man to Jesus, they knew, these friends knew, that he not only needed help with his physical disability, he needed help with the spiritual disability as well. I think that's why Jesus saw their faith, as they wanted him not only to walk, they wanted him changed inside by Jesus Christ and so they persevered and they brought him to Jesus they removed the barriers that were standing in their way and that's what we need to do as well someone says well I'd come to Jesus but except for this we'll remove that and present to them just Jesus they had a persevering faith they also had a finishing faith they did not stop till they got him to Jesus. And, I, and as I say that, I, be, I want to be careful about that. I don't mean that there's, that there's no work of discipleship after somebody comes to Jesus. But I'm just saying, as they were persevering, the goal was to bring this man to Jesus. And I don't think they stopped being friends after this. Matter of fact, I think their friendship strengthened even more after this. As they walked together, as they served together, this man became a part of the family of God. And they said, okay, now we've got five. Let's go help somebody else. They teamed up together. They worked together. By the way, let me just say that. That's, that's being a part of the church. Listen, we're, we're different. We have different ideas. We come from different backgrounds. But we all serve the same Jesus. And those differences should not keep us from working together to bring people to Jesus. These men work together to bring this man to Jesus. We can't, but he can. He can change somebody's life. What we can do is we can bring them to him. We can set them before him. Let's be not ones who hinder but ones who help. But they're not the only ones in this story. Matter of fact, the hero of the story is Jesus himself. He's the one who heals. He's the one who changes lives. He's the one that not only takes care of our external issues, but goes inside of us and deals with the internal and the eternal issues that we have In our hearts, Jesus did not come just to make this man feel better. Okay? Healing him and helping him to walk would have made him feel a whole lot better. He came to make him whole. And that's why, at the very beginning, Jesus doesn't say, Get up and walk, but he says, Your sins are forgiven. That is the real healing. (coughs) That's what he does in this passage of scripture. You see, the one who helps us is the one who, first of all, he sees your heart. He sees the, the heart of the, the scribes and Pharisees that are there. We talked about that. He sees the criticism and the, 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 the need for forgiveness, the need for healing in their lives. He also sees the... the the heart of of the, these men, their faith, but he also sees the heart of this individual. As he, the first thing that he says, he looks right into his heart. He doesn't look at his legs. He doesn't look at his mat. He doesn't look at the being lower. He looks right into his heart and says, "Your sins are forgiven." He sees into our heart. He knows everything about us. Maybe this pandemic has exposed some things in your heart that you you had forgotten were there, or maybe had been uh, just bubbling under the surface there. But some ugly things have been coming out. I want you to know. Jesus can take care of the ugly. He cares for our hearts. He sees our heart, And he doesn't turn away. He calls to us. He called out to this man. He called out even to the scribes and Pharisees who were judging him and criticizing him. He spoke to their heart. He said, I, I see into your heart. Why do you reason like this into, in your heart? Why not receive the gift of God of forgiveness? Why won't Why don't you just open up? That's what these scribes and Pharisees could have done and said, I need forgiveness too. Why don't you do that right where you are today? Call out to Jesus and claim his forgiveness knowing he's the one that sees your heart. He's the one that sees your hurt. The hurt that that has happened to you from the outside, things that you have no control over, but also the hurts that you've done to yourself as well. You know, I've heard it said so many times, well, I can forgive others, but I have trouble forgiving myself. Let me tell you, God doesn't just forgive others. He forgives yourself. He forgives you as well. And so claim that forgiveness. Receive that forgiveness from God. He didn't have to ask this man what was going on in his life. He knew. And he knows what's going on in your life as well. And he knows your hurts. And regardless of what those hurts are, he's the one who can heal and make you whole. Who? Just Jesus just Jesus. He not only sees our hurt and sees our hearts, but he also sees our faith, our cry out to him. And that's the the thing about faith. Faith is not visible. But Jesus sees it. <laughs> it's not visible to us. I mean, we can see the acts of faith, and, and we can assume it's faith, but sometimes those acts that may look like faith may be acts of pride or, or acts of performance or, or acts of even somebody that doesn't have faith in God. But he sees our faith. He sees what is going on in our life. He knows if we're trusting in him. You say, well, I don't, know. I don't know how to pray. Just call out to him, and he'll see that. He's not looking for certain words or, or, or looking for certain boxes to be checked in your cry out to him or in your prayer to him. He's looking at your heart, and when your heart cries out in faith, he sees that. That's why the, the prayer of salvation can take on many forms. It can be just crying out and saying, Son of God, have mercy on me, and he'll save you if you cry out in faith. It can be, Jesus, come into my life, and he'll save you if you cry out in faith. It can be, Jesus, forgive me and redeem me, and he'll cry He'll save you if you cry out faith. It can be, Lord, this day, remember me when you come into your kingdom, just like that thief on the cross. And when he hears that cry of faith, when he sees that faith, he redeems us. We're saved by his grace through faith. And he sees our faith. Cry out to him. Call out to him in faith. And just Jesus changes everything. Just Jesus heals the hurting. And nobody else can do this but him. He is the way, the truth, to the and the life. No man comes to the Father, but by Him there's only one name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus, just Jesus. Just Jesus saves the lost. Just Jesus forgives sinners. Just Jesus sets captives free. Just Jesus comforts the grieving. Just Jesus can heal broken marriages. Just Jesus can clean dirty hearts. Just Jesus can bring joy unspeakable into our life. Just Jesus prepares a place for us that will be with him forever. Just Jesus is coming again to make all things right. Just Jesus. He is all that we need. And let me just challenge you this morning to center your life around just Jesus just Jesus. He is enough. You know, with this this pandemic, it it is highlighted, and and these these two statements do not contradict, but it is highlighted, and I've said this before, really the two, two things about church and about our relationship with God. One is our need for gathering together. It's important, and we miss that, And I I hope that that you recognize that. And and those of you that that may not have been as faithful as you should have been and have let other things keep you from being here every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights and and, and worshiping the Lord and being a part of what God is doing. I hope that God has stirred that within you say, I need that. I wanna be a part of that. I wanna grow in my relationship with God. So it's, it's highlighted that. And the other part of that, which doesn't contradict but goes along with it, it's not an either or, it's a both and. Not only the important, of of, of coming together, of assembling together, uh, and, and gathering together as the body of Christ, but also the importance of the individual relationship with God. Because if it's just gathering together and you don't have that daily walk with God, then you're going to struggle. And you're going to go through difficult times, and not just difficult times in the situation, but you're going to have difficulty in handling the hard times of life. Because see, whether it be us worship, when we gather together to worship, we're all here, but still it's just Jesus. And that's what unites us. He is the one that stirs us. He is the one that we focus upon. But even when that is taken away from us, individually, we have enough because we have just Jesus. It's just Him. Center your life around just Jesus. This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor at Underwood Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to our podcast, and it's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to a sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that he will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us, go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org, and all our contact information is there. I hope you're blessed in message.